Welcome to the Wealth Doc Podcast with Mike Heckman from Sabo Point Wealth Management. In this podcast, Mike helps business owners, medical professionals, and retirees develop strategies to help preserve, protect, and pass on their wealth. Using practical strategies, Mike acts as your lighthouse keeper to guide your path of converting business assets into retirement income and inheritance funding. We don't like that shipwrecked feeling of not having enough, and you shouldn't either. Join Mike and get ready to explore the tools you need to manage your business efficiently, build its value, and have fun doing it. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Doc Podcast with your host, Mike Heckman. I'm Wendy McConnell. How you doing, Mike? Hey, doing fantastic, Wendy. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm good. I love to hear when people are fantastic. Now, we have a fantastic <laughs> oh, guest as well, right? Yeah, uh, Joe Dello, uh, estate planning attorney from uh, the east side of the state, has uh, been kind enough to join us this morning. Hello, Joe. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How about you? <laughs> Still fantastic. So uh, so, so tell us about like uh, where you're uh, centrally located and a and, uh, little bit about uh, uh, your practice, if you would, please. Yeah, I am in Oakland County. I have a couple of offices, one in Farmington Hills and one in Troy. And I service uh, many individuals, not only in Oakland County, but in the adjoining counties as well. I make my practice fully virtual if people want, or you can meet me in person as well. So I have different ways to help people based on what they're looking for. So would you say that uh, since COVID, uh, your practice has been, you know, been more, more virtual or, or uh, actually or... it's funny because COVID caused me to get offices. I used oh. to go meet people at their house or at Starbucks, but everything was closed and nobody wanted me at their house. So <laughs> I had to get an office. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. So yeah, that's that was kind of my thought. Just like when we're, people are ready to talk about estate planning, usually uh, those are the generation or group that is a little bit more leery of the Zoom meetings. But that, uh, at least for me, has been so much better, you know, since uh, they were forced to see their families over Zoom. So that's super cool that that had you create those offices. Where'd you go to school and how long have you been an attorney? I went to school at Thomas M. Cooley Law School, and I've been an attorney for 12 years now. Awesome. Uh, when I talk to attorneys, one of the things that always fascinates me is, so obviously you have to go to law school, but you have to have some kind of undergraduate education before you go to law school. And the differences I hear from different attorneys and their other interests. So what did you do for your undergrad? Uh, mine is electrical engineering. I went for that and electrical engineering. So why, so you didn't go for like one of the basket weaving easy ones. <laughs> well, well, you know how I got into law was backwards and I'm not sure how other engineers get into it, but only 2% of attorneys have the science background that right. from what I've heard. And, um, I, everything that I've done my whole life from elementary school through college was, engineering, engineering, engineering. But then I got a job in engineering and everybody was getting fired. So I said, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> so <laughs> I got into, into law from that. Awesome. Uh, I know that like, even in your like DNS and all that stuff that it says, you know, estate planning. So like what other kind of law do you practice? I practice patent law, but I do that for the federal government. 
So I don't, I'm not allowed to do it um, in private practice. That's what I went to law school for because it still allows me to use my engineering knowledge in that area. Okay. So, so any of my listeners that want help with estate planning, they can come find you. But if anybody wants help with patent law, then it's just kind of nice that you know that, but you can't do that for them. Correct. I can just guide them to some resources to help them get to where they need to be at. Awesome. Well, I know like a lot of the people that I work with, you know, estate planning is one of their uh, key considerations that we we talk about. So uh, if you had to define it, what would you call uh, your definition of the Joe Dello version of estate planning? Yeah, I've, I've heard somebody say this and I, I use it because it's a, a nice, easy way to explain it to people is who's going to take care of you, who's going to take care of your kids, and who's going to take care of your assets. And so that is the easiest way to kind of explain what estate planning is. And, you know, underneath it, people get convoluted with what the documents are. People always call me and ask me for a will, but that's not what they actually need or what they want. But that's that's the label that they think of, you know, and yes. there's, there's a little bit of gap between what they, what they're actually asking for and the label they put exactly. on. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so usually they ask for a will or a trust and, you know, those are the main like basic documents that are used in estate planning, but there are several other tools that can be used to define who's going to take care of you, who's going to take care of your kids, who's going to take care of your assets. Right on. So, what is like the big hangup that you see or what do you see like is the most common mistake people make when they, when they try to like do that on their own, for example? People don't know what they need. I mean, that's the first, that's the first thing, right? Like they know what the problem is. They don't know what they need. And so when they do stuff there on their own, they get guided by someone or some material that is only a, a portion of what they need. And so they get stuck on, they know what the problem is and they, they try to find a band-aid solution that maybe fixes that problem, but it causes nine other problems. Right. So for, one of the main ones that I do is with properties, you know, with houses. And so you have a, a property owner and they say, well, what happens if I die? I should probably add my child or children onto the deed with me because then if I die, then they'll get the house. Uh, for those that are listening, what what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing like as if you were to add somebody onto your bank accounts, right? So now if that person that you added on gets sued, that's their asset. They could, the, the, um, creditors can reach over and say, well, you got this house. I could, I want to put a lien on it. So um, if the, if the tax man cometh or if they accidentally run over the wrong person or the wrong person gets injured on their property, uh, what they thought was sound estate planning might open them up to some badness. Exactly. That is a, one of the biggest concerns. Another big concern is that um, I had an issue with this lady. She did, she added her son on 10 years prior. Now she's forced to sell her house because she needs the money and she needs the son's permission to sell the house. 
I thought that he the the worst case was going to be that the son doesn't want to sign off on it, but it actually was worse than that. He said, "I'm going to sign off, but legally half of the money is mine, so oh dear. I'm going to keep the money." Oh dear! When yeah. she's in her most dire need. Exactly. Yep. Oh gosh, gosh. And then so, and then another one that I've seen. Oh recently, yeah, please. Yeah, another one that I've seen recently was that they added the names on incorrectly and there's different ways of holding title to property. So they added the person's name on there, but when that person passes away, their 50% still goes to probate court because they didn't mm -hmm. add the person on with full rights of survivorship. They did as like a tenancy or yeah, a, a tenancy in common. Yeah. So, and what that means for the people out there is that, if you don't have full rights of survivorship, that means you will not automatically acquire the person's portion when they pass away, and that person's portion will go to probate court. So it right. defeats the whole purpose of you adding them on in the first place. So if somebody did like an online estate plan and then almost like click the wrong radio button as they're going through it and did a did a tenancy instead of a joint rights with survivorship, they've uh, set themselves up for the very thing they're trying to avoid is what I just heard. Correct. Yes. Wow. Wow. So as a business owner coming in is what do you think uh, business owners that are thinking about their estate planning uh, should uh, consider? Like I, I just talked to a, a business owner yesterday and he felt like he had done his estate planning for his business, but not as personal. You know, and I, I see some interesting things, but I want to hear about your experience, you know, as far as like what as for like me as a business owner, should I be thinking about as I go into estate planning? Yeah. So there's definitely several considerations. One thing that I notice is people, when they first start their business, do the bare minimum because they're so strapped. Bare minimum. Yeah. Please extrapolate on that. What do you mean by that? Yeah. It, yeah. So, so because it takes a lot of money to start a business, they pretty much get an LLC or a corporation and they don't create the documents that state the rules of how that is being operated. So like they don't have an operating agreement or an articles of organization that tell you what happens in certain situations. Like, are we supposed to have meetings? Is there a majority vote or does it have to be a unanimous vote to come up with certain things? Right. And so that kind yeah, of like divorce, that, death, disability, like yes, what, what, right, what, what yes. if, what if, what if, what if, yeah. Yeah. So, so they don't set it up properly. And then, and then it kind of goes from there where you become successful. Now you're making a hundred thousand, 200,000, a million dollars a year. But this document that was required at the beginning, it hasn't been created yet. Right. Um, so that's the number one thing because it, it gives you the guidelines of what's going to go on with your, with your business. But then not only that, it's when you want to give your shares or your entire business or whatever to your family, how do you give them though that business? I, I have three kids. They're all younger, 10, eight, and four years old. And you can kind of develop, they all have different personalities. Well, okay. with businesses, you can say, I want each of my kids to split the shares equally, but I want this person in charge, or it doesn't even have to be your kids. You can say, you know, my brother can be in charge and he's going to manage the business, 
but all of the revenue goes to my three kids. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. And, where, and then how do I compensate brother for that? And, exactly, and, yes. and all those things should be planned before you have one of those events that makes you go, wow. <laughs> yes, yes. So circling back, you know, as far as like the general, so we touched on like wills, trust, whatever. Uh, what would you say is the biggest differences between a will and a trust? Yeah, this is a good question because it comes up a lot. Like I said, people come to me and they say, I need a will or I need a trust, but they don't really know what they want or what they need, right? So a will in Michigan needs to go to probate court. So even though you have a will, it still has to go to probate court, be verified by the judge, and then those uh, instructions carried out, okay? A, a will, in my opinion... I was going to oh, say, let's, let's almost like say that again. So what you just said is like a lot of people ask for a will to avoid probate, but the will um, guarantees that they're going to go through probate just with some instructions. Yes. Okay. yes, yes, exactly. And so, so let's, let's take it back a little bit further. So people can pass away without a will. Okay. There mm -hmm. are rules in Michigan of how your assets are going to be dispersed based on who is in your family and who is alive at the time of your death. And so if you die without a will or a trust, then you're going to go by the rules of Michigan. Okay. okay. So Michigan's already got an estate plan for me if I don't create my own. And I guess people yes. can make their own decisions on, on how much to rely on that idea. Yes, exactly. And then, and then it can be changed at any time by the state of Michigan. And then you're just stuck with whatever rules that they have. So now to avoid that, you can create a will or a trust. A will will allow you to set the guidelines of who gets your assets and who is going to be the guardians of your minor children, but it goes to probate court. So we want to avoid probate court. The best way to avoid a probate court is by creating a trust. And this was um, an analogy that my friend came up with where you think of your trust like a pot and whatever you put inside of that pot is governed by the rules and it doesn't go to probate court. Mm -hmm. Along with like beneficiary designations and other things, but Correct. you know, like that stuff that you can't do if something smooth on the trust yes. gets you the, the ability to avoid probate. Yeah. Right on. And then how often do you think somebody should look at or update their estate plan? Okay. So usually people talk about a timeline. I do it based on major life events. So okay. Major life events, if you have a baby, if you get married, if you buy a house, if you have a business, now those are the times that you should be calling. And then especially if you get a divorce. The reason why I bring up divorce as an especially moment, even though all of them are quite important, is typically if you have an estate plan before you get divorced and then you get divorced and you don't make any changes your ex will still have two key things. One is they're probably going to be the beneficiary on your accounts. And two, they would have permission to make medical decisions for you. And so they have a motive and a reason to, to pull the plug on you if you're in the hospital because they're the beneficiary and they have permission to do to make that decision. 
if I don't uh, establish my estate plan, then somebody who decided they don't like me as much as they used to is going to have control over my assets before and after I die and make my medical decisions for me. Oh, yeah. What yes. could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> that's probably a good time to call me. So <laughs> oh, so, so okay, that's the divorce. So what is the other of the ones you mentioned? I think we got time for like one more to go through, you know? So like, what would you say is like the second one that you've seen mistakes happen that they don't update their estate plan? I mean, for me, it's the kid thing, but typically yeah. it's a house, you know, like obviously when you have kids, you yeah. want to make sure that if something happens to you, you name the guardians of who's going to take care of them. Um, so so guardians, what, what what does that mean? The guardianship? Yeah, it's going to be who's going to be taking care of your kids when they're when you're not able to do it. You know, you name the people that you want to do that so that the people are not fighting over who's going to be taking care of your kids. The next thing would be with the house. The house is usually people, you know, you're you're married, you have kids, you have a house. The business stuff, um there are a lot of small business owners, but typically you can get in and have the a business sold, even though it's going to be sold at a lower price, possibly if you don't have estate planning in place. But when somebody buys a house, they have to do their estate plan because then that that house will go to probate court and you don't want that. And what's the best way to make your house avoid probate court in Michigan, would you say? Uh, so there's two ways. One is if the beneficiaries are adults over 18, then you can do a ladybird deed, which is a transfer upon death deed in Michigan. If they are not over 18, then you would have to put it into a trust. Right on. So Joe, as uh, people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to uh, to get a hold of you if somebody wanted to ask you more questions? Yeah, so you can call me at 248-914-8146, or you can email me at joe at dallowestateplanning.com. You can go on my website, dallowestateplanning.com and fill out the contact form on there as well. But those are the best three ways to contact me. Oh, right, right on. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you want to put out there that uh, I haven't been asking you? Yeah, I think I make the process very easy. A lot of people think it's very cumbersome. Like I said, I could be very, ver I could be fully virtual or I can meet you in person. It takes about an hour of you filling out my intake form and all that you need really is people's full legal name, their address, and their phone number. So you don't have to go gathering all of your financial documents, all of your stuff. I, I make it very easy for you to get this done. It, it truly does take about a half an hour, hour phone call. You fill out my intake form for an hour. After I fill out, after I'm done with the documents, I'll send you a rough draft. You approve it, and then you go sign the documents with a notary. It's very simple. So awesome. Well, Joe, super appreciate you coming today and uh, and uh, talking to our people about estate planning. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Now, Mike, if somebody has some questions for you, how do they go about getting in touch with you? No, oh, yeah. So uh, the wealthdoc.com will get you all of our podcast episodes. And that's a landing page on my website of sobblepointwealthmanagement.com, spelled S A B L E. And then uh, our team uh, is ready to take phone calls at 231 425 4308. 
Again, that's 231-425-4308. And you can uh, kick me an email at mike at sobblepointwm.com. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Doc Podcast with Mike Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Have questions? Visit our website at sobblepointwealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 231-425-4308. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Sobble Point Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Mike Heckman. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Mike Heckman or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of Private Client Services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Mike Heckman and RFG Advisory, are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.